Episode 4, Augmented Virtual and Mixed Reality, A Visual Future for Search Marketing. This episode was A, super fun, B, extremely interesting, and C, has got my brain ticking in overload with ideas. We talk about what is the difference between AR, Augmented Reality, VR, Virtual Reality, and MR, Mixed Reality Technologies. How are these kinds of technologies like like holograms being used by businesses currently and what are some of the possibilities that we can start thinking about how can businesses start thinking about adapting their websites and their search marketing strategies to be ready for when visual search technology becomes more mainstream and we learned why is it so difficult for our guests to choose lounge room furniture Plus much, much more. It was a super fun chat. Uh, there was some terrible, terrible jokes, which I love. And uh, you, I know you're going to enjoy it. You're going to get a lot out of it. Before you do listen, or even if you do this after, whenever you do it, please go and review us on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, or wherever. And don't forget to go and subscribe for free updates, regular giveaways, and a whole heap of other fun stuff at thelocationstation.com. Augmented, virtual, and mixed reality, and the visual future of search marketing. Enjoy this one. Welcome to the Location Station, where we learn from extraordinary marketers and business owners about all the latest location-based marketing tactics and technologies, so you can attract and retain more customers near your business or brand. I'm your host, Dave Eddy. I'm extremely grateful for your time and attention today, so let's get cracking. Today's guest is a very, very impressive one, Perna Vergi. Perna, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Dave. My absolute pleasure. I'm pretty excited to have you on today, Perna, because you are the Senior PPC, Pay-Per-Click Training Manager at Microsoft in the Bing Ads team. Now, you're also recently named by PPC Hero as the number one most influential PPC expert in the world, like all of the whole earth. And <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. I'm going to give the biggest rap here. Um, and for well over a decade, you've been basically living, breathing and dreaming pay-per-click advertising, SEO and uh, voice search and visual search and, and where search engines are headed, that kind of technology. You speak at tons of leading events like MozCon, SMS Advanced, you're writing for search engine land. You're doing a lot of traveling at the moment. And I heard on the grapevine that you're actually uh, a bit of an amateur knitter. Is that true? Yes, that was really terrible. I can uh-huh. only knit a scarf because it's a straight <laughs> line. It took about two years to finish one. Well, so if you want a scarf for 2020, you can ask me now. It is 40 degrees Celsius <laughs> where I am right now. I don't want to start a scarf at all, but thank you. <laughs> <laughs> so jealous. Yeah, Just well, about freezing here. I'm, I'm not pleased. <laughs> When you come to Australia later in the year when it's a bit a bit colder then then uh yeah that that might that might come in handy a Microsoft scarf that would be cool <laughs> <laughs> so it was six years to knit one <laughs> so uh, uh perna is perna's coming on today to talk to us about a really interesting uh, topic which is the visual future of search marketing so search engines and uh, the visual technology that's coming up in terms of augmented reality virtual reality mixed reality what do they mean and how can we use those how can we understand those to do our marketing better on search engines so before we hook into uh, the topics and and I've got a ton of questions here for Perna Perna would you mind just uh, giving our audience a little bit of a rundown of your story and, and how you ended up doing what you're doing now Sure thing. So I started off many years ago as a journalist and still super passionate about researching things and telling a story. Unfortunately, I, my son was born with some health issues and you make zero money as a journalist, very sadly. So I had to go find a, a job on the dark side, which was traditional PR. And from there, <laughs> I realized that it's not as exciting for me, but I discovered through my best friend who worked in London for a big search agency all about this crazy new world called SEO and this thing called AdWords. Mm -hmm. So from there, I said, let me try this out. And I went to my boss at the agency at the time and I said, hey, is this something we can try out? And luckily he let me do it. And long story short, I ended up 
testing it out. I fell in love with it. It worked for us. It worked for our clients. We founded the division for digital marketing at that agency and never looked back. This was my calling. I found it. Since then, I've worked in-house. I've worked agency side. I've run my own business. And now I'm at a search engine. Wow. So I think there's no jobs left that I, I can do. <laughs> and, and so I guess, I, I guess search engines have probably changed a fair bit since, since you, you first started. So I think you're pretty highly qualified in terms of helping us understand where they could be going next. Um, and I'm sure that's what, that's what I'm, th- I'm wondering. And that's what our listeners, I guess, are, are wondering too. Uh, so when we talk about visual search, I guess... Let's just ima- let's just imagine. So here's 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 my sort of understanding of visual search and and how search engines can use visual features and technology to serve up the results that we want. So let's kind of imagine. Uh, let's imagine we're sitting at a bus stop, right, and where we see someone with the coolest pair of shoes that we've ever seen on. They've got the uh, rainbow laces and the pump up tongue and the um, big thick. Uh, soul and they're just awesome and we get jealous and we're thinking where the hell did they get those shoes because I really want a pair because I've got crappy old worn out black uh, converse but I don't recognize the brand logo nor can I read it from here and I'm a little bit nervous I don't want to walk up to this random on the train or the bus and say hey where'd you get your shoes so I get out my smartphone I take a little uh, picture of the, of the shoes from afar, a little sneaky one, and I upload it to my smartphone and my smartphone recognizes those shoes and, and says, hey, here's where you can buy them. Uh, there's a store around the corner. Uh, here's how much they are. There's a, actually, there's a special and that's the search experience. And I haven't even typed anything into a, a search engine. So that is my limited knowledge, uploading an image uh, to a search engine. That's my limited knowledge of visual search. So today I'd really love to hear about more about what what else is happening in that in that space and how visual intelligence is um, I guess turning search keywordless like it's taking away the keyword um, the notion of a, a keyword when we're looking for stuff so uh, can you just maybe give us a bit of an overview of what you see visual search as and why it's sort of important for us to all, all uh, have our heads wrapped around Yes, definitely. I think visual search is very interesting to pay attention to. I mean, firstly, I should back up and say it's not really new in terms of a concept. Mm-hmm. I remember Google visual search first came out around 2009, I mm-hmm. believe they demoed it. <clears throat> Apps like CamFound came out about four years ago. And these things existed, mm-hmm. but they weren't used as much. Maybe we did reverse image searches mm-hmm. or things like that. Mm-hmm. What's changing the game is this visual intelligence. It's the machine learning and the artificial intelligence aspect that gets added to it, which is making it easy. Mm-hmm. And easy, convenient, that's the key. Because visual search is awesome. Like you said, you didn't have to type in a keyword. Also, if you, what if you, you knew the words to describe the sneaker, right? You could probably say those rainbow colored sneakers and mm-hmm. do a search in a search engine. Mm-hmm. But what if it was like a tool in a tool set? I am terrible and I would have no idea how to describe the tool. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, I don't know. I need this thingy. I would take a photo of it. <laughs> so if I wanted to learn more about what I'm looking at and it either is more convenient just to snap a photo Mm-hmm. Or if I don't have the words to come up with it. So that's what it is. It's curiosity and convenience, which is where it comes in. Right, right. From what I've read from your articles and, and some of the videos that you're putting out, uh, we start the conversation about visual intelligence with a couple of concepts or a couple of technologies uh, being virtual reality, augmented reality, and mixed reality. That's kind of the technology that I understand to be key for this. So would you mind, I guess talking through what those three technologies are uh, and and uh, I guess what the differences are between them? Absolutely. And that's a, I'm, I'm glad you asked that because a lot of people will use the terms interchangeably, but there are s- small but really important differences. Mm-hmm. Virtual reality, we know that. We put on the pair of headsets and we get transported into another world. Mm-hmm. We only see what it shows us. It's a closed environment. Mm-hmm. Augmented reality, on the other hand, would be it's 
it's your environment around you, but there's additional elements added to it. It could mm-hmm. be music. It could be these different virtual elements. Mm-hmm. Say, for example, Pokemon Go. Mm-hmm. You still see the world around you, but you see the Pokemon and you see Pokeballs. Mm-hmm. Mixed reality, that's a little offshoot of augmented reality. The only addition is you can interact with those virtual elements that are added on yeah. to your reality. So again, HoloLens is a great one because it's a good example that comes from Microsoft's, my employer, mm-hmm. where it will cast 3D projections in, in front of you and you can interact with them. Mm-hmm. Wow. And so, so that's the key difference. So virtual reality is that you're fully immersed within. I actually tried VR headsets a few months back for the first time, first time in the city where I live, they opened up a virtual reality studio and I was looking at whales sailing past my head and picking up uh, cooking utensils in a kitchen and all this crazy stuff. But, but we're looking at a world where a world that it kind of opens up a lot of different marketing opportunities for businesses where we can uh, display our content, our products, our services, our information in like a, in a totally different way to just being on a static web page. So what are, what are some of the specific examples that you see some businesses are, uh, are using or toying with in terms of like positioning their products and services and doing marketing with this kind of technology? Uh, this type of technology is really fabulous, especially for sellers or lots of different ways. Because it solves the problem for us, for the consumer. Mm -hmm. So let me talk about some non-retail examples first, Mm -hmm. and then I'll talk you through some really good retail Mm -hmm. examples. HoloLens, we use that as a training tool, for example, with Japan Airlines. Say they want to train their pilots or their their, um, people who work on the planes on how to fix or service an engine. Mm-hmm. Normally, you'd have to physically make sure that people are near an aircraft working on a very giant size airplane engine. Mm-hmm. And it could be kind of dangerous to open it up or, or close it. It's not dangerous, but just cumbersome. Mm-hmm. Now, imagine if I had a hologram of that thing in front of me. Automatically, I could just train people where they are. There's no flying of people in or transporting them. And it's easy with the hologram. I can gauge size and scale and what it looks like. I can interact with it. I can take it apart and put it down together. Mm -hmm. So that's a huge use of it there. We also see it being used in medicine. Mm -hmm. A doctor, imagine if he's doing heart surgery, you can have a little camera that sort of brings up the actual heart and then the doctor can look around with it and get a better idea of what they're working on. Mm -hmm. Now that's life-changing really. Um, other things for, for meetings, you can put a hologram of yourself in a meeting or gaming. That is, we see all these examples of people, um, imagining that they're in a game and they are like swashbuckling and killing all the dragons (laughs) in front of them. It's amazing. So I would say gaming, it takes it up. So all that really fantastic uses the, the money, I think also will happen a lot in the retail industry because it's solving this problem for the consumer. When we shop online, and we all do it, it's hard to gauge exactly or know the limitations. I, like I said, I'm terrible at tools. I don't don't go camping. (laughs) I don't know how big a two-person tent is. But if I had a hologram, I could walk inside it. I could get a nice feel for it. Uh, So that could be quite good. You could even even have someone teach you in like, real life in your own lounge room how to knit a sweater as well as well as a scarf <laughs> that would be good i could definitely get faster and get you your microsoft scarf sooner but no like harvard business review the super smart guys they've predicted that investments in augmented reality technology is going to be almost 30 billion us dollars by 2020 no change. that's a lot of money in the next three years <laughs> yeah wow and so i i really want to touch on um an example that uh, that I see as you know a potential, a potentially really useful thing for society, but also for for businesses like restaurants and uh, any business that you come and, and you need to read a menu or a um, uh, or a, a catalog or something like that or any sort of physical product, uh, which is that example that I saw of Microsoft HoloLens uh, being used for that the blind guy. Um, can you just talk through that that video? We'll, we'll definitely link up the video in the show notes because it's pretty amazing. But I'd love our audience to sort of hear hear about that, and that'll get, I guess, the the ideas flowing through their head on what is possible with this with this stuff. 
Oh my gosh, it's one of my favorite videos. <laughs> And definitely we'll link to it. So this is about my colleague, Sakib Sheikh, who's based out of our London office. Mm -hmm. When he was seven, he lost his sight and he went to a special school for the blind. And all his life, he sort of had this wish that I wish I had something that could describe the world around me to help me sort of see and navigate the world. And he worked because Microsoft started launching cognitive services and using artificial intelligence to do things like image recognition and emotion recognition and natural language. Mm -hmm. He took those existing services and put them together and built what he called the seeing AI. So it's such a clever name. Mm -hmm. And it works with these smart glasses called pivot head smart glasses. So imagine you, it looks like a pair of sunglasses, for example, I'm walking around and if I want to find out what's around me, I can press a little button on the side of the glasses and the artificial intelligence will take this image, learn to understand what it is, and then we'll read it back. We'll talk yeah. it back to you in natural language. I mean, that's a big deal. So an example in there is it's, he's walking around, he hears a sound, he presses it, it tells him that I think it's a man in front of you doing a trick on the skateboard. And what it also does, like things that we, that is good in itself, but it does these additional things that you don't really realize you may want or cannot have. Like it will recognize emotions. So if you and I are talking, like right now, I can't see you. I have no idea if you're like, Purna, stop rambling. <laughs> so it takes a photo of the person that can describe the emotion, the average age, what they're feeling. And that's so valuable because now you get that visual context that Otherwise, if you can't see, you can only pick up in words. And it can also read text back to you. It's so freeing and giving you your life back that I don't have to rely on somebody to read me a menu if I'm going to a restaurant. Technology can read it to me. I can still read the newspaper, quote unquote, because I have these glasses that will read back text. So it's so freeing and powerful and I'm so moved every time I watch that video. I uh, the, love it. The opportunities are endless. And in that video, definitely, if you're listening, you got to check check it out. But the, the the example that I liked is when he's, he sits down at the restaurant uh, with a friend and he has his glasses on. The, this guy's completely blind and, and he's got his glasses on and he looks down at the menu and it, and it, and it says, um, move your head slightly to the right so that he's lined up with the menu properly and it can scan what's on there and it's, and and he says um read me out the the subheadlines of the menu and it says meat vegetarian salads that kind of stuff okay cool let's let's what's on the meat meat menu oh it's steak it's rump it's like chicken and and is is basically like he's basically seeing it is is hearing what is what is on the menu and you just think from the you know our listeners are business business owners and marketing managers and I'm sure their brains are ticking over going how can I use this within my business um and and to help you know to help a, a wider range of people uh and it's just yeah it's pretty it's pretty cool it's pretty exciting what what can come of all this so uh now I also wanted to talk about there was a really good example I saw on something that you shared that was oh um it was like someone who was who was shopping online on a search engine or maybe it was Am the Amazon app or something like that. And they were trying to pick a chair that would suit the rest of their kitchen. And can you, do you remember that one? Yes, I do. Yeah. So that is HoloLens. Right. And that's a really good example of HoloLens in action. Now, Again, I'm the queen of buying sofas that are the wrong size from my house. I've done this three times. My husband and I will argue, and he's like, honey, I was finally right. I'm like, you're never right. As you know, women, the women are always right. <laughs> Clearly, I wasn't in this case. But, so it's uh, not just Australian women. Okay, cool. <laughs> no, I think it's a global phenomenon. Now, <laughs> so this is a wonderful example. Now, it'll change shopping because I can see how it looks in the house. I don't have to imagine it. So if I'm looking for a kitchen stool, I can just navigate to it. And just using a few hand gestures, I can see it in the space in my house, in my environment that I want it to be in. So that's great for kitchen stools. Think about cars. Now, car showrooms, they need a lot of space because they have a lot of different cars that they have to store. So you can look at it. But imagine if I could look, I don't have to keep 10 models of cars in my showroom. I can do with three and then have 
one of them be a hologram and I can change models quickly. I can open up the engine and I can be like, no, let's do the higher end model. No, let me do the lower end model. And with two buttons, it will change in front of me. Uh, Or if you're redesigning your kitchen, then I can say, oh, I want these cabinets. No, I want these cabinets. It's miraculous you can just see how that that one about inventory is very interesting because you can see a world especially especially when amazon and these kind of businesses are getting better at like here's here's an example domino's pizza they are so good at delivering pizza within like 20 minutes to your house like that's pretty quick Uh, and they're also trialing drone delivery and i think amazon are doing similar things so once they solve that you know speed of delivery thing there's could there be a world where local retail stores or uh, warehouses are actually empty and you don't need to have all that uh, all that inventory sitting there it's actually digital hologram inventory that people can come in and look at and touch and feel kind of thing and then if they whatever one they choose they just get it delivered to you really quickly and it's so it's kind of an online slash physical buying experience but the merchant or the business owner doesn't have to have all this fi- actual physical physical stock in their store is that like is that happening yet anywhere i think so. based on some reports i'm reading with um rebecca minkoff she's a designer she did something new now her brother uri minkoff in an interview uh, was said that his industry in particular has a 20 to 40 percent return rate mm-hmm. that's very high uh, and pretty costly for a business to have that high of a return rate. So what they did was they used an augmented reality app that would let women who came to her fashion show look at how the clothes would look on their bodies. I mean, certainly things look wonderful on a model, but it may look different on you. So if you can use technology to try on clothes, and then it will save the return rates later because that will be better for you. Wow. Yeah. And. There's something else that's a really cool app, and I know you're a, a boy, but I'm going to make you try it <laughs> you out. You don't know that. Point. You don't know that. You have a fair <laughs> idea. I could have just a very deep voice. I could be very feminine. <laughs> okay, that's true. Well, if you happen to like to use the Sephora app, which sells makeup, they do something really brilliant. And I like that. I think this is where it will go first because it's tied into technology we already have and carry with us. Mm-hmm. It's not like I have to buy a new set of glasses, which we could probably do in, in Australia and the US and mm-hmm. some of the Western world, but it would be harder for a lot of the large populations in other parts of the world to maybe invest mm-hmm. in a new glass. But everybody has a phone. Yeah. Now, if I have the Sephora app on my phone, they've got something called Virtual Artist, which if you take a look, you can... It's sort of like Snapchat. What was that app? What was that app called again? Sephora, S-E-P-H-O-R-A. And it's just within the menu, if you look at their navigation, there will be something called Virtual Artist. And you can try on different eye looks or different Mm -hmm. lipstick looks. So you could look at the app and all of a sudden your face has like a full face of makeup on and you (laughs) look pretty beautiful after you're even if you're jet lagged. (laughs) (laughs) You can see through the different lipsticks to see how the different colors will look and it's really well done because it looks as if if i took a photo you would think that it was actually really me wearing makeup and that's a fantastic experience because again makeup like clothes if you buy it online you might want to return it because it doesn't look as it's hard to imagine what it will look without trying it on physically yeah yeah yeah. but it's a good way to increase sales now because you can feel more comfortable buying it i mean just doing research on this technology i ended up buying four lipsticks it was really fun (laughs) darn it for self-control it's a good thing lipstick companies max factors got a a new market segment it's marketers because (laughs) they're just researching product exactly oh no and you can totally see it going that way like if you look at snap or snapchat and instagram and all the the apps with filters and and fun stuff that you can pop up you know uh within your social posts they're so popular and they really just change reality they people you know i think people are more confident with having a bit of a filter that they publish online uh that doesn't show their their wrinkles their crow's feet and stuff like that maybe that can cause social you know issues i'm I'm not sure down the track i'm just looking at it from a marketing perspective (laughs) but uh, online dating horror stories right friends are like you do not look like you did it yeah (laughs) I, I saw a, actually no I'm not going to get into that video on the podcast 
<laughs> we can chat some, some other stories. time about yeah, we it. Can chat, we can chat it offline. <laughs> so, um, yeah, cool. Okay, so how can how can businesses now, because like, you know, um, there's business owners out there and brand marketers out there that have got they've got their websites, they've got their uh, product pages, location landing pages on HTML, CSS kind of, you know, websites and it's kind of static and they're getting found in search engines now. How can they, how can they prepare? I guess what I'm asking is where are the websites of the future heading and how can they prepare their, their sites or their online uh, properties to be ready for when consumers start using this sort of technology to uh, to find products and services? This, I call it a good, better, best strategy. Right. So what does that mean? So we start off with looking at what would be the right strategy? What would be a good way for you to go forth and apply it to your business? Certainly, there's lots of different things. You've got virtual reality. What are the pros and the cons? Very expensive to create a whole system for, for virtual reality. And people will need to have the glasses to use it. Certainly, it's got fabulous uses, mm -hmm. but I don't know. Check if it's right for your business. Mm -hmm. You've got augmented or mixed reality, mm -hmm. or you just have these sort of little apps, or you can simply turn the world into your showroom by making sure, sure that you get found better by just doing good quality images. So A, you need to figure out what's right for you mm -hmm. and what has to be significantly better than what you have now. You know, just because you can do it doesn't mean you should. Yeah. You can start small and then build up. Yeah. The second thing would be make sure you have better quality images. Yeah. So the lowest level per se that you can and should start is your landing pages, especially for your PPC. Make them extremely visually appealing. Mm -hmm. There's so much research on this. People, and this is research from Pixel Road Designs. They did this. They found that people are 80% more likely to engage with content that has relevant images. And 90% of consumers agree that the image is the most important purchase factor, uh, decision-making factor to make the purchase. Wow. So these two are so important. So if I'm a travel company, for example, and I have a page talking about my Bali vacation packages, then I do want to make sure that it's showing me the dream beaches and temples and everything that I would make me want to jump into my computer now. Wow. Same thing with the restaurant, with the pizza, make it so mouthwatering that I have to have it now. Yeah, yeah. So these are the kind of things. Also, so that's step one in terms of conversion. Mm -hmm. Step two is in terms of getting found. There's so much technology right now that exists CamFind is an app that lets you take a photo and then of anything and lets you figure it out. On your Amazon app, for example, we talked about Amazon. I can just take a photo of anything from a box of cereal and it uses the intelligence technology to recognize it and then tell me what it is and how much it costs. Yeah. Yeah. And Pinterest, you can look at parts of a photo and try to find things. So it's, that's there. And then finally, follow your best practices to optimize your images. Those SEO best practices, as you know, David, they haven't changed in decades. You want to make sure you have your alt uh, attributes. You want to make sure your file name is well optimized. You have a description, a title, whatever information you can put in. That's, uh, follow that. That's an interesting one for SEO and for uh, for alt tags especially because I know there's lots of businesses out there that will have optimized inverted commas their alt tags of, of their images to help search engines rank them for you know keywords that aren't really descriptive of the image they might you know, let's say it's a uh, let's say it the business is a uh, give me a business I can't think of one a roof a roof builder a roof repairer yeah and and they caught and they set their alt tag or their file name of the image as roof repairer in San Francisco, but really the, the, the images of a, a terracotta roof above a two-story house, uh, for example, and that's how you should be describing images because search engines are smarter these days. They're not just looking for keywords, uh, you know, search keywords in, in, in your um, image, image alt tags. I agree. Yeah. That is so smart. So that would be helpful. And I think what's interesting is people don't realize, uh, Dave, how smart this intelligence <laughs> is. <Yeah. laughs> Captionbot.ai, I'll give you this example. Search it's engines must we... definitely be female then. 
<laughs> I know. Is that always right? <laughs> I, <laughs> I love that. Bing's also always right, usually. So just to throw that out there. But CaptionBot.ai is something that it's under Microsoft Cognitive Services. And our super brilliant engineers created this bot that... Its goal is to describe images the way humans would. Right. Now, if you and I looked at a chair, we could say, yes, this is a chair. But if you had somebody sitting on it, to have somebody describe it like this is a person, he looks tired. This is how old he is. This is what he's feeling. Now, that's something you don't expect a computer can do that. Mm-hmm. But she's so smart now, this captionbot.ai. There's my my colleague Ravlene in the UK put a photo of her husband and her son at the son's like uh, football game. And the kids are playing, but there's two grown-ups in the picture that are standing right there, right next to the kid. Now, you and I could tell that they're obviously just supervising the kids. But to expect a computer to think that was really powerful because they were like, well, no, I think it's a group of kids playing football. And it ignored the adults as just supervisors. Mm-hmm. And because they were playing on a concrete surface, with there was lots of lines on it. Like we think we're not sure, but we think it's a parking lot. Mm-hmm. So she was that clever to be able wow. to identify that it's concrete. It's not grass. They're not playing on a pitch. They're playing on a, uh, they're not playing on a football field. They're playing on concrete. That in a parking lot. Crazy. Just so basically how how almost how a human would see it and describe it. Exactly. That's how powerful it is. So if you think even if you have some little images, it can recognize it. It can do things like this. Mm-hmm. Wow, that's awesome. So, and I guess when we think about I guess if if we think about we're going to uh, talking about our SEO strategy. So, if we think about how search engines understand content these days and it's and we, we know it's not just not just about the one keyword on a page and that page is relevant to that keyword only. So you're going to try and rank for that one or two keywords. It's, it's the search engine looking at, at uh, the search query and the page and going, okay, this page is really relevant to what the person's typed in. And they also address all these related topics and uh, synonyms and, um, and uh, they link to other internal pages that, could also solve related problems to that product. For example, a page about a camera could also have information about the technology, the specs, the uh, the stand, the lighting, and links to other related accessories. That's that's a page that's going to have more chance of ranking. And with visual search, it's those images. If if search engines can understand the images with such high level of detail, then you want to think about okay, if I've got images on my camera camera sales landing page then what other stuff will uh, visually be relevant to that and that could be use cases or landscape photography shots or um, how to set up you know understanding the images of the how to set up the camera sort of process so uh, if is that kind of how you would think from a search perspective we we can try and practically uh, use this this technology that would make a lot of sense, especially if you think of all the updates that have come out publicly. So if I look around search engine land, you can see everyone's talking about rank brain. It is all about the entities and understanding of what it is. It's not that good old fashioned, mm. let me stuff these keywords on the page. And if you notice that you can shop in different ways now, Google has lets you do shopping ads on the image. Uh, if you look at the images tab, you see shopping ads as well. So I could just be looking for pictures of you know, uh, pink sandals and I could <laughs> transact from there as well if I wanted to. Yeah. Wow. And so what are, what are the, what other players are in this space? Like what are, what are, what are some of the companies that are really leading the way in terms of visual search? Like we haven't really talked about Facebook yet. And, um, and I'm sure we, we talked about snap. What other, what other companies or technologies or tools are out there that you think are, are interesting to watch in this space? There's a lot of cool stuff. There's something Microsoft also, we used Cortana to power, uh, partner with Uber, the taxi, the company. And what it does with Uber to make sure that the safety is very high is that it does facial recognition. Mm-hmm. So it can confirm that the driver coming to you is the same driver who's mm-hmm. who got in the car that morning <laughs> and whose photo it is on the profile. Wow. So that's so interesting in terms of safety. The other really important factors are there's a company 
an app called CamFind, mm. which again, it lets you snap a photo and do that. If you're already using Amazon, you can do that just within the Amazon universe. Mm -hmm. But something very interesting to look at is this company called Slice, S-L-Y-C-E. Mm -hmm. It sells this technology to other big box retailers. Mm -hmm. Because let's be honest now, we're all, we've all been trained by shopping online, mm -hmm. right? It's convenient, it's easy. So Slice helps you do the best of both worlds. Mm -hmm. There was this whole study done by Hitwise across the UK and the US, and they found that a vast majority of people will tend to use their mobile phones while in store, while shopping. Mm -hmm. And the top users are to look for reviews, to compare prices, and to get more information on the product. We like to do that. But now what really bugs me is if I'm going to an actual physical store, I'm like, oh, I can't find this. I don't know what aisle it's in. I'm looking through the rack of clothes, trying to find my size. It's mm -hmm. so frustrating because mm -hmm. it's easier to do it online. Slice to partners with these websites. So I could go in to so say if I'm going to a big like home store that sells stuff for the house, and I could point to a coffee machine and it would tell me, okay, this is the coffee machine. This is how much it costs. Here are the reviews blah, blah, blah. Here's all this additional information about it. So it makes my life easier. It's the best of offline and online. So that's something that's exciting and interesting to watch. Wow. Yeah, definitely. So I'm just, I'm just thinking, uh, I'm just ticking over in my head, all the, all the possibilities for a lot of our clients and for and different types of businesses. What, let's say, let's say I'm a, let's say I'm a digital marketing company or a web web development company or something like that who's helping businesses uh, stay ahead of the curve with uh, with technology and, and with their marketing uh, how, how 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 do they approach how do they approach that do they go and invest in in uh, an augmented reality developer or wh where do you think that they should start or, or, or is it is it more of just waiting for the big players like the facebook's and the and the googles and the bings microsoft to uh, to bring this technology to, you know, to the mainstream. What, what do you think about that? It's a bit of a act and wait situation. So I would say, let's start by thinking, what's the minimum viable product? I'd be very loath to advise people to go and fork out a lot of money. Yeah. But what we should do is keep an eye out. We know as an advertiser, Snapchat talked about they're going to have a soon to come object recognition ad platform. So it's similar to Pinterest where I could find, identify elements within a photo. So if it's a plate of coffee and, a, and cookies, I could try to say like, where are these cookies? I wanna buy these cookies. And they could serve ads for it. So that's something that's coming. We know things are coming, so wait on that. But maybe just start by making your pictures more easy to find. Try to get, how can I get more exposure for myself using just imagery? Take better photos, upload them to Pinterest, make sure that you're getting found for related searches, make sure that an, uh, you can submit your feed to apps like CamFind. CamFind has a sister app called TapTapGo, mm -hmm. which is for the seeing impaired as well. So again, I can take a photo of something and, and it will tell you what it is. Mm -hmm. so you could also upload your feed for an app like that so that you can make sure if people take a photo of something, you get recognized. Mm -hmm. Maybe you want to advertise there. We have image extensions. For, that's something that we have in, you can use product ads. Those are really good because you can have your different photos. We see those tend to have, uh, you know, tend to perform well because you can see the photo of the product. Mm -hmm. And there's just little smallest things there. So start with the very smallest level. Then if you say that, hey, I think I should develop something like what, uh, Rebecca Minkoff did with this service called ZKit that was at augmented reality, or I want to do something like what Sephora or Snapchat's doing with uh, augmented reality, certainly go ahead, but start small and make sure you're really confident on your strategy before you invest a lot of money because yeah, yeah. it's not cheap and, you know, there's never enough time or money, is there? <laughs> I th uh, yeah, I, I think that's really good advice. I, I, I'm thinking of back when plasma TVs were like $10,000 and the early, yeah. early adopters went and bought, you know, bought $10,000 TVs and then six months later they were 3000 <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> Sort of thing. So uh, I guess that's something to keep in mind. But, you know, if uh, 
if you've got the budget and you really want to stay ahead of the curve and, and you see use cases within your business for implementing this sort of visual visual technology and it's going to be worthwhile and make you know give you that point of difference then maybe it's something to to consider uh definitely so Perna, I think uh, I'm conscious of your time and I think this this chat's been absolutely amazing and we've learned a ton of stuff and I can't wait to get you back on to talk about voice search as well um, because I know that that's your your passion. Um, so it'd be great to have a chat to you on another episode about voice search. Uh, but we're going to, I don't know if I told you about this little part of the of the uh, call, but we have a few questions at the end of each episode, which are 14 quick fire questions where we basically just Uh get to know you, get to know Perna Vergie just a little bit better on a, on on a personal level. (laughs) And they're, they're completely compulsory. So (laughs) no, uh, you've got a few seconds to answer each one. You're allowed to pass once if you need it. Are you ready? Oh, go for it. <laughs> Perna, where did you first, where did you go to high school? I went to high school in Mumbai, India. Cool. Very good. My first time in India last year and absolutely loved it. Can't wait to get back there. What was your first job and why didn't you stick to that job? My very first job when I was 18 and I worked in theater. I was the stage manager, which is code for everybody's uh, errand boy and do any kind of work but it was fantastic I absolutely loved it I learned a lot and I got to do something that was different and cool wow that and is I a- had to leave because I went to to the UK to study so I had to leave got it that that's a long way from being the number one world's number one uh, pay-per-click influencer <laughs> <laughs> It set me up for success, so I don't go backstage. So yeah. What What's been your biggest screw up so far? Your biggest mistake? Oh gosh, I always regret that not getting into search early. I was like, oh, I love this so much. I wish I'd found that. But oh gosh, I am queen klutz. I mess up on a daily basis. So I would say, like, what have I not messed up? I would say, I would say, taking three sofas or couches to um to get the right size would be a screw <laughs> <I know>. up too. <laughs> that was pretty bad. Um, what are you most proud of? I think I. Uh, Personally, I think my, my son had a lot of health issues when he was born, and uh, I think sticking through that and encouraging him and growing through that, you know, dealing with a very horrific time, I'm really proud of, of my son and, and what he's become now at, at age 10. That's awesome. World's number one mom. Number two, my, my mom's number one. Um. <laughs> no, I don't. Definitely, I'm a terror. I think I, I need to be much better as a mom. I'm always learning. I always call my mom. I'm like, am I bad? <laughs> I haven't become a parent yet, so uh, I yeah, I, <laughs> that's a challenge that I'm probably just going to put off for a little bit longer. <laughs> it sounds 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 a bit tough. <laughs> um, it's very rewarding. <laughs> I, I love it. What are you most excited about at the moment? Coming to Australia, yeah, of course. I cannot too. wait. <laughs> it's been my dream for so long, and I'm finally I'm going to be there. I'm going to be in Sydney and Melbourne for Bing. I'm getting to do a couple of events for Bing there. So I'm thrilled to come and finally explore and try to secretly fulfill my dream of kidnapping the koala bear <laughs> and bringing it back home. <laughs> I've got a hilarious photo of a, of a couple of koalas that I'll send you after this call. It's, uh, you're oh, gonna, you're gonna I love, love it. that. It's it's a bit it's almost X-rated. We'll put it in the show notes too for anyone who's who's game. Um, what is something weird? And I think there's going to be, I think I think you'll have a few of these. What is something weird you used to do as a kid, Perna? Oh my gosh! <laughs> I <laughs> there's so many things I would. When I was a child, I was such a tomboy. I, I would go like two weeks without brushing my hair. And my poor mom was like, please talk softly. Please be a lady. And, you know, I cut to all these years later, she still tells me that. I'm like, I'm trying. But I'm a little bit less embarrassing now. So. <laughs> Who, who's your favorite band or musician? I really depends on my mood. I really like Coldplay a lot, or mm. I like to listen to more like dancey music as well. Or I like embarrassingly 80s music 
So I'm very whatever's on my mood, I'll listen to it. I've I've been listening to a an album recently called The Most on Spotify, the most relaxing songs ever. And there's a Coldplay song on there called Strawberry Swing, and it is awesome. I'm I'm not usually a, a Coldplay fan, but I'm right into it. Go to check. Yeah, out. I love a Coldplay. I love all their songs. Odessa as well. That's another Seattle-based sort of band. They're really nice. Got it. Can you rate your own singing voice out of ten? It would be a negative 5,000. My special talent date is clearing the room after karaoke. So I have to have had a lot of drinks and then I think I'm awesome, but no one ever does. Can you give us uh, a My son will. No, there's demo? no chance. Just at a little all. Demo? No. No. <laughs> no one will ever hear me back. I'll be like, you'll get all these emails saying Dave never have her back. <laughs> I'm also a very bad dancer. So these are my, also my special talent. Oh, you're in that club too. <laughs> I'm, I'm in that club too. <laughs> but I really like it. So I'm like, I'll just do it. So. <laughs> um, what, what's your favorite food out of all the foods in the, in the universe? I would say Greek. Greek and Indian are my two favorites. So if I could eat only two, these would be it. Got it. Describe the last picture you remember taking on your phone. Oh, it was my cat all curled up by the fire. <laughs> and that was the one I took because he kept stealing my place, which is closer to the fire's place. <laughs> and I'm like, move off the sofa. That's me. I sit there. So that was it. <laughs> um, what's one habit that you have that you'd really love to change? Procrastination. I found that there's nothing that inspires you quite as much as last minute panics. I would, I would love to be all like organized and, and get things done way ahead of time. I, I've worked on it a little bit. I am better, but again, I like to leave till the last minute. We're in the same boat. <laughs> What's the best piece of advice that you've ever received? The best piece of advice was to care less. And on the surface, it sounds actually really like terrible advice, right? Well, be careless. <laughs> but I'm very type A. I'm very driven. I'm very motivated. And I, I, I feel things. I put a lot of pressure on myself. So I think somebody I work with quite closely was like, for night, you know, maybe try caring less a little bit. Mm -hmm. And that's freed me up. I, I felt so much better and lighter and enjoyed the creative process a lot more than be like, oh my gosh, this has to be really good. Mm -hmm. So it's not, that's yeah. it. Less type A pretty much would be the best advice. We have, here's probably your second best piece of advice. We, we, have, a, here's, we have a saying in Australia uh, that is relevant for, for that when, when you're taking things too seriously. You say, we're not playing for, we're not playing for sheep stations. Oh, that's so cool. I love yeah. it. That's what I'm going to say. That's the best advice. Yeah. We're not playing for sheep. What does that mean anyway? Yeah. And the other one, and the other one is there's, you know, there's kids starving around the world right now and you're worrying about getting this proposal done on time. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. For the context. It's all in context. <laughs> um, the last one, uh, actually second last, uh, what's been the happiest day of your life so far? Um, I think, and this is a professional one, but I had to be the opening keynote at, at SMSL Milan right after Avinash Kaushik. I'm like, great. I got the bum slot to go after like, everybody's favorite speaker in the entire universe. And like, I, they're going to throw tomatoes at me. It is going to be terrible, but oh, it actually went really well. So, and I didn't, I didn't let everybody down after Avinash so people liked it so I'm like okay what a relief I'm so proud that not only did I do that lovely keynote for a really large audience but I also did it right after Avinash and it was okay <laughs> congratulations <laughs> and the last question and by the way you get an, you get an extra question after this one um, okay yeah. but the, the normal last question is what do you love most about yourself Perma? Oh, what do I love? I think I don't, I'm really difficult to offend. So, and that's a good tactic. Like I will laugh things off. I guess, I don't know. I'm, I don't like to praise myself very much or think about that. I'm always more like, Bruno, you haven't done this in my head. So I think there's, I think there's plenty to love. <laughs> <laughs> um, now the last one's not really a question, but now, for our audience, for anyone out there that doesn't know, Perna is quite partial to the odd, terrible joke. So, <laughs> I'd, <laughs> so I'd love for you to, for, for you to share a, um, a little joke with, with the audience. Oh, okay. They're really bad. They're dad jokes. All right, here's one. What did one mint say to the other mint, Dave? 
Uh, what? Nothing. Mints don't talk. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> oh wait, let's do this other one. What did one wave say to the other wave? What? Nothing. He just waved. Oh my god. <laughs> hey, there was the. Did you hear about the two cows standing in the paddock together? No. So there's two cows on a sunny like Sunday afternoon in Australia in a paddock, probably uh, 20, 25 metres away from each other, just grazing in the, in the paddock, enjoying their, their Sunday, minding their own business. And one cow sort of just started moseying on over to next to the other cow within sort of within, within range. And uh, he looks over and goes, G'day, mate. And the other cow goes, Oh my God, a talking cow. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's such a good one. Oh, I should have oh, I, I, I steal that. I should have saved that for our voice search um, episode. Oh, that's okay. <laughs> we'll, there will be a whole host of new terrible ones right after that. <laughs> oh, my God. Diana, <laughs> thank you so much for coming on the show. And, um, you know, it's been super interesting, super fun. Uh, looking forward to talking about um, our other sense, which is voice audio um, search at, at some point as well. Um, before we say goodbye, can you let people know where they can find out more about you or, or connect with you online? Oh, absolutely. Well, first, thank you so much for having me. I think I had the best time ever <laughs> on any chat. So thank you. Where you can find me, add me on LinkedIn. I'm always there or I'm obsessed with Twitter. So you can just say hello at Purna Virji, P-U-R-N-A-B-I-R-J-I. And I will definitely respond very soon because I spend too much time on it. <laughs> awesome. And for anyone who wants to actually meet Perna, you can either come to her Bing event in Australia down in Sydney in February, or you can wait until uh, augmented reality technology is at a point where you can just um, pop her out of your phone as a hologram and you can hang out with her whenever you want. <laughs> so maybe that's not too far off based on, on what we've talked about today. Perna, thanks again. Um, yeah, it's been an absolute pleasure and uh, we'll say goodbye. Thank you, Dave. Bye-bye. <laughs> Ta-ta. Bye. listened all the way to the end of this episode i think it means that you've got some value out of it i hope so in return we'd love it if you could go and leave us a review on itunes stitcher google play or wherever just search the location station and don't forget to go and subscribe for free updates regular giveaways and a whole heap of other stuff fun stuff at thelocationstation.com and I'm not whispering because I want you to keep this podcast a secret. Please share with any business owner or marketer who you think will find our stuff valuable. Now go on, go and action some of the stuff that we learned today. I'll see you on the next episode.